Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome into your Wednesday afternoon. Mark Stafford, Staffy. Afternoons with me and Gull. They'll your mission all year round and we'll fuel your eardrums. For the next three hours, myself, Sammy, and LeBron James in the hot box. Um, running it straight today as well, three to four. Kempi in studio with you, Sam. Yep. Kempi and Sammy with the great rugby league show, three to four. I love it, actually. I listen to it on my drive home. So make sure you give it a listen as well. Mixed bag today, mixed bag today, as I just mentioned to Smithy, um, I'm being thrown to the wolves, I feel, at ten past one, uh, Matty White and the two commentators out of Australia that are calling the game, uh, the Sydney Kings against our New Zealand breakers, three on one, I'm going to have to sharpen my elbows, much like the Warriors did in defence, um, so that'll be at about ten past one, live link into their show, them into us, so... I'll feel the pressure of New Zealand on my back to um, give it to them because they will probably give it to me. So we'll see how we get on. Uh, we're going to talk to Rosie Elliott later on in the show. Kiwi 400 metre runner. And of course, the Sir Graham Douglas International is tomorrow night. Rosie set a personal best a couple of weeks ago in rare form and her rate of improvement over the last few years has been quite exceptional. And she's a real character as well as Rosie Elliott. So we'll catch up with her along with the Maddie White one. And uh, the first hour, uh, stories come out today about an A-League side for Auckland as soon as next year. I guess money talks, eh? And they're saying it's $25 million for a licence. Holy heck, that's a lot of people through the turnstiles to pay that back. Um, can we handle another football team, another A-League team in New Zealand? Part of me says yes, because... The complaints I always hear about the All Whites is we never see them play. When they play, they play overseas. How often do we see the All Whites play in New Zealand? Um, we have a pretty good national league, I'm led to believe. I don't know that a lot of people go and watch. It's a high participation sport. When the Phoenix come to Auckland, they get a good crowd. Over 10,000 last week when they played here. But is that because it's the novelty factor? They only come here once or twice. Football fans in Auckland. And actually, I'd really love to hear from football fans in Wellington as well, Phoenix supporters, um, would you enjoy the opportunity for local derbies? An Auckland team against the Wellington team in a local derby. The Auckland A-League experiment didn't work last time. Uh, the Phoenix took that franchise, or took that ticket, didn't they, in about 2007 after they had the Knights and the Kings or the Kings and the Knights, I can't remember what order it was. That arrived on New Zealand shores 
with great expectation and great excitement, our first proper, fully professional football side. Didn't work for whatever reason. I'm not close enough to know why it didn't work. But do you feel there's an appetite out there amongst, by and large, their games will be in Auckland. I understand they'll be at Mount Smart, um, which I think would be better than Eden Park. Nothing against Eden Park. But, geez, it looks empty until there's about 20, 25,000 people. 20, 25,000 people fills Mount Smart, so probably you get the same vibe with 10 there. Winning's important. They're going to have to get a good roster to kick it off and start winning and get the fans along. We've seen it. We've seen it with the Phoenix. When they're right up the top echelon, they get crowds along. Um, but, geez, Auckland NPC Rugby, what do they get? Five or 6,000? Maybe squeak up to eight? Um, even the Blues, uh, they get more. And that's, that's the premier sport in New Zealand. Auckland's got just under 2 million people. Is there an appetite for the sports fans out there in Auckland to go and support an A-League team? A new A-League team, new look. It'll probably have to be made up similarly to the Phoenix with some international, some local talent. Um, they'll probably have to set up an academy as well, like the Phoenix have. They'll need a big backer. They'll need a big backer because it won't be cheap. So the talk is Auckland and Canberra are the two biggest cities in Australasia that don't have an A-League team. And there's a real appetite for the A-League to put a second team into New Zealand. We've had that talk about the Wellington Orcas for a long time about the NRL, that there's an appetite. A Canterbury Rugby League team in the NRL as well. I've thought on those occasions the appetite isn't hasn't been there from the NRL. But the appetite's there from the A-League to get another team into New Zealand. It's a big market. Auckland's a big, big market. But it didn't work last time. Could it work this time if an A-League team was put into Auckland? That's our midday madness. Now, remembering we're only going, we've got the wonderful Rural Roundup show on all the frequencies except for Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch. So really would like to get your calls, particularly Aucklanders, Wellingtonians. In fact, Christchurch football fans, would you fly up to Auckland to watch a game? I think the local derby would be brilliant when you get Melbourne City, Melbourne United going against each other. When you get the Dockers against the West Coast Eagles and the AFL, there's just a little bit more spice. I'd love to see a local derby. I'd love to see competition for roster spots from New Zealand football players. Now there's two viable options and you don't have to go to Australia. 0800-150-811. Love to get your thoughts. Give us a yell. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Righto. Uh, really keen to hear your call. If you'd prefer to text, and I've learned over the time that a lot of you are at work and you can't call... More than happy to get your text message with your thoughts on um, the appetite from you, friends, family, to go and support an Auckland-based A-League team. Fascinated to hear your thoughts on 0800 or you can text us on 8833. Let's go to Troy. G'day, Troy. G'day, mate. How you going? Good, Troy. Um. Yeah, someone's going to have to have some fairly large clangers and um, shelve out a bit of coin. I think that's a um, a big ask as much as personally. I mean, I, I love football and uh, 
yeah, two sides would be great, but that's a, I think that's a tall order in particular. Uh, you know, they really would have to get their uh, pricing right, their marketing strategy. You've got to, you know, there's not a lot of coin around at the moment, as we know, with the cost of living. Um, and, yeah, that would be, I think, you know, from previous with the Kings and the Knights, and, you know, that didn't work. And uh, I don't think the attendance is even for uh, the Phoenix and Wellington are that flash. I don't know what they sit at, maybe 6,000. I'm not sure. Um, what what, what but, what yeah. about what about if we assume that the money's no problem? They've got a big a a big financial owner partner whatever who will guarantee the money. And let's say they have to stump up. I mean, it's going to be twenty four, twenty five million for the license, and then they tip in another fifteen or twenty to get this roster, get the get the academy. Let's say that's taken care care of. You love your yeah. football. Would you become an Auckland football A League team fan? I would, and I would, uh, yeah, and, and and with the Phoenix being second in that case, but um, yeah, absolutely. I guess it'd be great too if it became more of a pathway for for our players to stay here. Much like you know, if we had a second NRL side, it'd be great too because we know how strong it'd be. I think, but um, yeah, no, I definitely, you know, it's, it's um, I guess the uh, TV rights are quite different now for the A League uh, to what they were back in the Phoenix, uh, back in the um, Kings and the Knights days. I think there's a fair bit of you know, a fair bit of TV money around, so um, you know that gets shared around the pool. And I don't know, I don't definitely don't like um, Mount Smart as a venue. I don't, I wouldn't, yeah, that would put me off. Um, but my preference, but not not only because I live on the shore, but I, I think um, North yeah, Harbour Stadium. Putting, yeah, just putting, you know, to, because the the, re, the realistic, you know, you're going to get ten, maybe twelve thousand, you know, and and. Putting in these big 25,000, 30,000-seater stadiums, they just look ridiculously empty. Mm. And let's face it, you've got to have an atmosphere, and football is all about atmosphere and noise and drums and banging and crashing. Um, yeah, it would be great if there was a smaller venue that, you know, was that sort of, you know, maybe 15,000-type situation. Um, and, yeah, make it affordable. If you make it affordable for, for families as well, you know, that's the key, getting mum, you know, mum or dad and the kids uh, to go. Um, then I think it'll. I think it will probably work okay. But um, yeah, I think it's still a it's, a. it's a bit of a tall order, really. And, and um, I guess I would have thought that uh, probably Canberra might have been uh, top of the list. But it's interesting this morning to read that. Yeah, well, they're talking uh, both. No, but, they're talking both. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Good. You know, if it, uh, yeah, I would. You know, I'd be all for it, and I'd probably become a season ticket holder for sure. So no, I think we found the, the I think we found the first president of the supporters club, Roy. Uh, Troy. Sign me up, mate. Sign me up. Get a discount for being first or what? Yeah, bro. Yeah, easy. <laughs> good All man, good. Troy. Good man. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Let's go to Roy. We leave Troy and go to Roy. G'day, Roy. <laughs> hey, Steph. How are you? Good, mate. Um. So, Auckland, look, I don't think Auckland's been crying out for this, but I do believe that uh, an A-League franchise in Auckland will work just nicely. Um, personally, I, look, people often think about, you know, the Phoenix and how they've grown, and I think that quite a few people forget that it actually started in Auckland with the Knights, and, and they weren't successful, uh, but I think we've now seen the blueprint in, in Wellington um, of how it can be done successfully. So I think, you, you know, you've... Uh, it didn't work here, and they figured out how it works. So if they take the lessons that were learned and, and, and adopted 
uh, by the Phoenix from the mistakes that the Knights made, then I think um, then it can happen, and before then Kings as well. Um, I was really sad when the Knights uh, left Auckland and, and you know resented the fact that they went to Wellington. I think, if I'm completely honest, I probably always struggled with that and had that little you know chip on my shoulder. There we go, confession time. <laughs> um, but I I think I think um, you know we, we often you know. Uh, 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 harsh on Auckland and whether they turn up to sports or not, and and you know that's it's self-inflicted because they don't turn up enough. But I think, um, you know, globally through the pandemic, I think we've realised what we were missing, and so I think there, and I hope that people will have learnt that lesson and said, okay, we have the gift of being able to watch live sport now, and I don't think we will make the same mistake twice. All right, all right, I and turn up. The, the 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 number one thing I appreciate about this call, Roy, is you said the lessons learned. Not, yes, yes. Yeah, the, the, sorry, I apologise. So the learnings, uh, <laughs> is that, that's the one you like, right, Staffy? <laughs> Good man, Roy. Can I add that to the counter officially, Staff? Yeah, or? you can add that to the counter. Okay. Yeah, you can add that to the counter. Well done, Roy. Thanks for calling, buddy. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. There's Roy, uh, Captain K's called. Captain K, the listener, not not the staff member. Captain K. Hey, before we get him on, um, Kez, who's the greatest basketballer of all time? Sammy, oh, my God. Are we seriously doing this when we're talking about Just answer the football? question. Just answer the question, Kez. It'll determine whether I turn what, your mic on or um, off. Ask me the question again. Who's the greatest NBA player of all time? James Worthy. Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain K, football in Auckland. You, are you a fan? Hey, Steffi, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you very much for taking the call. Now, look, Steph, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how this is going to unfold. And one thing that I really liked that you said when you had Troy on the line was, hypothetically, the money is not an issue, right? Because that's the only thing that I'm sort of scratching my head about right now is we do want to get a good roster and a good academy and let, this, let Auckland football really run with this on the biggest stage uh, in Australasia. Um, then I think it's easily doable. I mean, look at Auckland City over the Auckland City FC over the last few years. They've just been playing Conference League in, in New Zealand football, and they've mm. arguably, uh, well, I, I definitely know down here up here in Auckland, we've had chats that Auckland City uh, some years have actually been better than the Wellington Phoenix. And I think that introducing a new rivalry into uh, the New Zealand side of A League is really going to spike the the competition of both of our New Zealand sides. I just think having that rivalry between Wellington and Auckland will sort of make Wellington be like, no, no, we were here. I know you guys had the Knights and, and the whatever they were before, but we, we are the team, right? We are the New Zealand A-League team, so they're really going to list. I think it's really exciting. Get some of that Auckland City foundation in there. I know I was a white tech boy, but take what Auckland City have done. They've been dominant in New Zealand football over however long. I reckon we've got to take from them Take some of their staff, some of their management, and I reckon Auckland could be the next big thing. Oh, as big as Liverpool? Oh, come on, Steph, you're dreaming now. <laughs> I heard, I heard uh, Jurgen's looking for a job, so maybe Auckland City's his next, uh, his next gig. Mate, I don't, I don't blame him. Why not? I definitely would too. Jumped in it after losing the Bournemouth on the weekend. I'd hide my face. <laughs> Good man, Captain Kate. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Steffi. See you tomorrow, pal. Cheers, mate. 0800-150-11. We have to take a quick break. We'll come back with Joey and Life Members Aid right after this. Welcome back in. A-League team to Auckland. Are you a fan? Would you go? Would you support them? Is there room for it? I do want you to take out of the equation that money's an issue. Let's just assume that the money's there. 
Let's assume the money's there to pay the licence fee and recruit a decent side. Would you still go and support it? Joey, in Auckland. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Staffy and Sam. Yeah, yeah, it would work without a doubt. You know, you've got Auckland, Auckland City, you've got Waitakere, you've got Central United, you've got Eastern Suburbs, plus you've got sides coming from, you know, teams from the shore. But they're, they're the four very strong sides around Auckland. Um, I hope I haven't missed any others. But um, Auckland City, I think, uh, were trying to do it themselves a year or so ago, Staff. And um, they've got the backers. There's no two ways about that down around there. And, and you know, you you wouldn't have it at Eden Park. You My my place you would have it, if I, I was had anything to do with it, would be Western Springs. Because Western Springs is so so central and so easy to get at from North Shore, from West Auckland, from East Auckland, from South Auckland, anywhere. It's, it's a fantastic. It, and, and they could play it near where at the moment they've got the rugby ground. And it, it seats about probably maximum maybe 10, 14, 15,000. That's all you need. You're not going to, you know, even the Phoenix at the moment, you know, they get 10,000 there. Wellington still, still looks um, empty, you mm. know. And, and Eden Park, it, it, you can, we can't even get get 40,000 people to watch awards at Eden Park. So, you know, I mean, it, it just looks terrible. That's why all these English sides, these smaller smaller sides in the smaller divisions, they only have four or 5,000 people at their games. It's packed. But the atmosphere is fantastic, you know? Yeah, I'm a big fan of boutique grounds. I remember once the Phoenix were forced to play out at Lower Hut and they went to the Hut Wreck and they erected temporary stands and I think there was six or 7,000 people there. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, saw, I think I saw that game on telly. Mm. You, you did right. It's, you know, Wellington, even Wellington, at the, uh, um, the Capeton, I think is too big, too big for the Phoenix. I think they need to go to a smaller ground and, and, and get, you get the more atmosphere with, with, with the, the, the place packed. And, you know, and people might say, oh, yeah, but if they go really well, you know, then we, you know, people will miss out because you can only get 10,000. That's just how it is. Mm. If they're going well, it's fantastic. I mean, you, you can still watch them on telly. And um, I, I think it would work without a doubt. As I said, I'm pretty sure Auckland... Auckland City, um, Sam might be able to tell you more about this, but I'm pretty sure Auckland City tried to, were well, thinking of trying to put a team in, in the A-League and they had the backing and everything. I yeah, could be wrong. But they did. They did a few years ago. And I think they were in talks even with um, someone like Man City or some, something like that back in the day. So, yeah. I think there could be an appetite, but I'm not a football guy, Joey. So uh, I appreciate your call, buddy. Thank you. No worries, have a good day. Cheers, mate. Um, Life member Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Good afternoon. Would you go? Oh, I don't really think we need a Auckland A-League team. I reckon you kind of need to focus more on the All-Whites first, you know. That's not really working right. They, need, they still haven't even finalised a new coach yet. You know, and you've already got one A-League team. I reckon they kind of need to put more infrastructure, infrastructure into the All-Whites first, really. The problem is teams won't come here, Zaid. We have to go there, so we don't get to watch them. By having another A-League team in Auckland will expose, I don't know how many home games there are in an A-League season, 12, 14, something like that. There's 12 or 14 top-level games for the football star fans in Auckland to go live. It depends. I wouldn't look at Eden Park, though. No. No, access to Eden Park's always been an issue. But Western Springs, um, I'm interested, Joey suggested Western Springs. I see they've got tabled. It looks like it would be Mount Smart. 
that's got access and parking issues as well, hasn't it? We see it with concerts and with warriors as well. Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to do a smaller ground, day. Eh? I don't know. What's the ground yeah. that Auckland City play at? It's, um, Is it Kiwi Tear or something? Kiwi Tear Street, that's right. I've been there. That's a fantastic yeah. ground. That's probably yeah. not big enough. Um, but something in between that and Mount Smart with a 10,000 capacity, I think it would be brilliant. Yeah, I'm not sure, but um, you're yeah, looking forward to that Breakers game tonight. Oh, boy. Versus Sydney Kings. So um, definitely, uh, yeah, it'll be all go at 9.30 tonight. So um, hopefully we can try and get that get that title and maybe get Abercrombie to retire if we win, maybe. I don't know what he's what he's up to, but if we do win, I wonder if he will retire or not. That's, that's what I'm um, interested in to see. If he's going to go again, or if that's him, Abercrombie, if they win or lose tonight, mm. are you going to are you going to be able to stay awake for it? Of course, yeah. Good yeah. boy, <laughs> good yeah. man, Zate. We'll carry on. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Um, a Hammer, kia ora. Kia ora, Steph. How are you? Very well. Um, so I'm a Knicks OG sort of since '07 member. Nice. And um, no, I'm, I'm, I love it. I love the idea of a derby. Uh, because we don't really, you know, our, right, our rivalries are generally based on incidents, right, with the Knicks now. So I think that would be a great uh, edge to, I don't know, being a Knicks fan and whatnot. Um, but and I, the thing that worries me, though, is, I don't know, will people turn up? Um, I don't know. New Zealanders, we're sort of a bit useless at turning up to things unless they're like event things. I, know, I went to the All Whites game against the Oz, uh, Eden Park. That was a pretty good crowd, but, you know, every second week at a venue with how much fun it is to travel in Auckland. So in terms of the depth of pockets, um, you'd need... Because uh, I think the Knicks lose money now. I'm pretty mm. sure they lose money. They don't, I think they do like a nine grand to break even. We never get nine grand at the Cape. It's in good atmos, you know, because of yellow fever, but they're losing money every game, so... I suppose that's to do with opening up the stadium and whatnot. So I think a smaller venue, which is cheaper, and they've got to really nail their pricing, you know? To me, it's almost like not giving them away, but price it really cheap early on, then you build, then you build right? Yeah. Uh, it would have to be something like that. But, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be down for it for sure. Yeah, and that local derby nature, uh, New Zealand love those. New Zealand love local derbies. And we don't have it. Yeah. You know, know. If we have, you know, we have, I know well, it used to be Sydney a few years ago because of that stuff in the playoffs, but, yeah, we don't really have a rival, I don't think. Sometimes, if, you know, when when old uh, Rudan comes to town, you know, or when Smeltsy left and came back to the Gold Coast, there's those sort of niggly things, but, you know, not. we need a rival, bro, so all for it. Good man. Good man. Thanks for calling in. Cheers, buddy. We'll take a break for news, sport and weather. We'll come back with Graham and anyone else that wants to weigh in on this. It's a good subject. 0800 150 811. Take your calls after the news. Well, listen, buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. We are talking about the viability of an A-League team coming to Auckland. Would you support them? Would you go? How do Phoenix fans feel about having another team in New Zealand? Do you welcome it? Do you want to be the only the only kid in the playground with a ball? Or do you want to have another kid? Let's go to Graham. Uh, and wider it up. G'day, Graham. Aloha. 
<laughs> I always get it wrong. <laughs> okay, Wednesday's lower hut. Got it. Righto, mate. What do you reckon? It's almost a ready-made academy slash development program right there. And you've got those guys in those clubs in Auckland with aspirations to get into the the Auckland A-League club. Um, Fantastic for that. Exactly. And that will spread to Hamilton as well too, mate. You know, it will start to to even sprawl if you want. But um, I can only see it being as a a positive after thinking it might be a bit negative on, um, you know, Auckland AFC might not make the other... World Cup championships um, if they do develop this team for a year or two but once they build up their stocks and attract more people because they are a feeder club to the Auckland team I can only see it being very very positive mate. Yeah I'm with you, I am with you actually and we've seen people come through um, lower grades, I mean, there's so many football players around the globe and it just doubles their opportunity to play professional football in New Zealand so that's a good thing Yeah yeah for sure, Top man. Cheers, Graham. See you, boy. Um, good man, Graham. In Lower Hutt today, he's all over the place. He's Petoni, he's Wainui, he's in Carterton, he's in Masterton. But yeah, good Phoenix man. I went to a few Phoenix games, actually. It's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. I was sitting there thinking, it was weird. I was like, why don't more people come? But I was one of those people. I went about three times in all the years I lived in, in Wellington. Oh, maybe, maybe six or seven times. And it's a brilliant atmosphere. It really is. Accessibility to the Wellington Stadium is not an issue as well. Um, Eden Park Mount Smart has a bit of an issue I'm not 100% on Western Springs about accessibility I've never been to Western Springs I hang my head in shame I've never been to Western Springs um, but as Joey said it's accessible from north, south, east and west uh, maybe that there's a lot of things to consider um, Sammy you're more of a football follower than me what was your initial reaction when you heard this story? Okay couple of things Steph firstly um, I'm going to be quite critical on Aucklanders here, and it's probably actually a New Zealand issue as well because we are fundamentally terrible at turning up for our sports teams. Mm. Unless they're winning, unless they're in a final. Um, I think there are some exceptions there. I think you have the Phoenix, you've got the, the um, Warriors who will always get at least sort of 10,000 to their games, which I actually think is pretty good for them. Um, yep, we can talk about stadium, the too big a stadium, et cetera, but they actually do get a decent crowd. But on the whole... And we've talked about this before. Kiwi fans, to me, are very, very fickle. If our teams aren't winning, they're not in playoffs, we don't go and watch them. We'd much rather park up on the couch and watch or get mates around for beers. So that's my first issue, is that we fundamentally don't turn up. Then you throw Auckland into the mix. Now, Auckland, what's our population at the moment? I say our Hamilton boys. Shouldn't, that's sacrilege. I apologise, Mum, if you heard that. Um, what's the Auckland population at the moment? It's near enough two. Let's go. It's let's one, go one point eight or something. But for, for argument's sake, let's make it two. Right now, breaking it down into demographics. Right, we know that Auckland is a very multicultural city. So you've got a lot of um, different um, cultures, um, religions, etc. And I think there'll be a big part of it that has no interest in football whatsoever. So you can rule out the fact that even though it's a massive population, there's going to be a big pocket of people who just have zero interest in football and won't go to a game. Then you'll have a big pocket of people who, I guess, fit the target demographic, but 
that, in fact, they might be sports fans or whatever, but they, once again, they're more rugby fans. They don't care about football. So then all of a sudden there's only a certain amount of people that are actually interested in football. Maybe their kids play. Maybe they do watch the Premier League. Then you've got to sell them on this new team. Are they going to watch the A-League? Are they going to go to a North Harbour or a Mount Smart and actually watch the team? And I feel like the number keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and it's not as big a market as they might think. And the fact now that Auckland will potentially have rugby league, rugby, a football team. Breakers. Breakers, you want to throw a netball, whatever they've got. And I think that splits people's time up across a weekend. You can't go to, oh, sorry, Tuatara. Yeah. You can't go to a netball, a Tuatara, a Breakers, a Blues, an Auckland City, whatever it is, over the course of a weekend. It's just too much and probably too much cost. So I think you've got to factor that into it. Whether or not that means that there is space for another team around the country, I'm not sure. I do buy into the fact that having another New Zealand team, and I think this is the same in rugby league as well, will help the Phoenix because it'll make them, I guess, more locally competitive, but it'll also force them to up their game a bit. And I'm not saying they, they've dropped the ball in, in areas. I'm not well-versed in that. But in terms of recruitment, development, academy, etc., they'll have to lift their game because they don't want to lose people to Auckland. The Warriors would be the same. They'd have to lift their their game and their recruitment and all that because there'll be somebody else looking to take their players. Um, so those those are sort of the question marks that I've got about it. The logical club that will, that will take this. In fact, I'd almost bet my house that this is going to be Auckland City because they have for years groomed that club to, to be right for an A-League licence. And I told you a story this morning when I used to do communities reporting, I covered Central United a lot, which is their essentially they're tied into the same club, Central United in, in Auckland City. And um, I remember talking to them at the time and, and even just calling themselves Auckland City FC. I mean, that's totally a marketing ploy so that when an A-League licence comes around, that's the name that everyone's going to want. We are Auckland City. Correct. Whereas now if you get an arrival bid, they're not going to be able to call themselves Auckland City or Auckland FC because both of those have been and taken by Auckland City. Um, what are they got? Like Northern United or, you know, I don't know, Northern Rovers or something. That's what they're going to have to go with. So they're very clever. They position themselves that way. And then you mentioned before, you know, they go to Club World Cups. They make a lot of money from that. And there was an article, really interesting article, who wants to go and, and sort of entertain the idea that it's going to be Auckland City, um, written in stuff last year by a, a football journalist, Martin Van, I think it's Bainan, B-E-Y-N-A-N. And he talks about the money, the cash flow of Auckland City. And for a long time in football circles, staff, Auckland City's been an amateur club, uh, sorry, a, basically a professional club parading as an amateur club by all intents and purposes. They bring in millions of dollars in revenue. They only have about 200 club members, whereas some of the bigger clubs in Auckland, like your Birkenheads, your Glenfields, et cetera, have thousands you yeah. know, of, of kids and seniors and everything. Auckland has 200. They have 14 staff. You know, by all measures, they are a professional club parading in an amateur competition. They are the only, to me, logical club that would take over um, that A-League licence. And I tell you what, they'd be damn good because they are, I th and, and someone mentioned it, and I think they're bang on, at times they've actually been better than the Phoenix. Mm. Um, some of the, they've even got former, they had former Phoenix players sort of playing for them. Um, and I know Clayton Lewis has played for Auckland City and a bunch of all-whites. Um, they've had uh, internationals um, from, albeit maybe Honduras or somewhere like mm -hmm. that, playing for their club, fully-fledged yeah. professionals. Correct. And and so not only do they have the setup, but I think they're a very well-oiled machine. And, and um, Ramon uh, Trubilets, who used to be their coach, um, I was a big fan of him and the way that they ran the club. But, yeah, they've made Club World Cups. You know, they're constantly in competitions across Auckland. And they're a good brand as well, like your um, 
you'll notice that it's Auckland City, whether they're playing in like a futsal competition, which is the indoor five on five, uh, whether they're playing in the Chatham Cup, whether they're playing in the Club World Cup, it's Auckland City the whole way through, whereas some clubs' names change depending on, you know, what competition they're playing in. Um, so they're a very logical um, choice for the club, and I think that'd be fantastic. But I go back to those sort of questions. Does does Auckland have the capacity to host another sports team in a city that has so many already that struggle to bring fans into the into the into the game? Um, you know, a, a big question mark for me. And I think what they'd have to do stadium wise, if you're not going to go to a, to a North Harbour or Mount Smart, the the key thing probably for them is the facility. So they need obviously a, a access to a high quality training pitch or training area, and they need high quality <coughs> club rooms, meeting rooms, etc. So whether or not you go find some space in a big club around Auckland. So let's just, for example, say Glenfield has all this sort of spare space. They can build a, a smaller stadium around it of 10,000 that has high-class club rooms, has a training facility out the back. Maybe that's mm. a better option <clears throat> than paying hundreds of thousands to play at North Harbour or Mount Smart where we know that it's just going to be too big for the fans. Mm. Text us your thoughts. Great stuff there, Sammy. Double eight double three Temper Bear Post text machine or still welcome to give us a yell. 0800 150 11. We'll come back after this break. Auckland team for the A-League. Love it, like it, loathe it. Scott Wellington. G'day, Scott. Hey, Steph. How you going? Good, Scott. Just driving along uh, the waterfront towards Petoni. It's looking uh, pretty nice out there today, I've got to say. Magnificent. Um, just past the rowing club there. Magnificent. Yeah, just, just gone past the BP. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's like glass out on the water at the moment, which is really nice. So bit jealous of all the people out there enjoying it, to be honest. <laughs> so what do you reckon about this um, idea? Well, I think it's a good idea if, if it's done well. Um, obviously, um, I, I haven't, I've only just jumped back in the car not long ago, so I didn't hear a lot of the conversation. But um, I think Sam's definitely right. I mean, it's, it's most likely going to be Auckland City that will be doing it. The, the, you know, they've got the uh, foundations there to do it. Uh, I, I think one of the key things, obviously, is probably staying away from the major stadiums like Eden Park, not not taking it to Eden Park, um, because, you know, the cost that's involved in that. I mean, you know, obviously the Phoenix get into Sky Stadium and that, but, I mean, um, we've, we've played at the Hut Rec as well, which, to be honest, I actually preferred. Um, I loved it. it. Was a more, uh, I went um, to the Hut Rec games, and they were brilliant. Oh, they were because you, you've got um, a smaller, smaller stadium, um, but you know it feels like a bigger stadium in that way because you've got, you know, you've got less numbers, but you're more—I don't want to say compact, but yeah, you know, you're closer together. The noise isn't being lost, and um, you know, it's like a, yeah, a more better atmosphere. Um, and that's not saying the stadium's not great. The stadium is good, um, but you know, ten thousand people in a what is it, 35,000 seater stadium, it does get lost a little bit. And I know with Eden Park obviously being even bigger, um, if you're sort of getting around the 10,000, it will seem quite lost again as well. So, um, you know, whether that's obviously, as Sam was saying, up to North Harbour or um, or not, um, but I think that's one of the key things they've got to do. But from a from a Phoenix point of view, it'd be, it'd be brilliant having a rivalry with um, another team in New Zealand and... Um, I think they'll they'll have the same issues that the Phoenix have as trying to retain players and um, you know from from overseas as well. Um, but then it's also with the key the New Zealand players. You know if if they do do well, 
um, you know, with the likes of um, you think Safra Singh Kachi, all of those guys getting picked up overseas. So I think you're kind of restarting it a little bit quite often. So um, they've just got to be prepared to have to do the, the same sort of thing the Phoenix have to go through, I think. But um, overall, I think it'll be brilliant for, for New Zealand and, and for the competition. Yeah, because it's such a high participation sport in New Zealand too, isn't it, football? And it's even getting bigger as the rugby and rugby league numbers drop off um, for whatever reason. But the participation level is great. And, I'm, and my understanding is there'll be a women's team uh, a women's A-League team attached to the Auckland-based team as well. So another great opportunity for them. And you know that registration numbers in women's football is going to go up after the World Cup's been here. Exactly, exactly. They'll, they'll go right up. And, I mean, that's, again, one of the, the good things if they do that, it'll create that rivalry, you know, another Wellington-Auckland sort of rivalry there as well on the women's side. And, um, yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. Um, Auckland does have the population for it and um, I think you look at Canberra coming in as well, that's another sensible option um, probably ahead of um, the likes of Townsville, North Queensland being another team um, and, and you're right, the numbers are, are growing and growing and, and it's about obviously seeing a path, you know unfortunately if it's a development path coming through there to go to bigger things but if younger younger sort of kids see that development that they can actually come through and, and get into the Phoenix or the whatever the Auckland team will be called um, you know it gives them that pathway and, and hope and retain more numbers at the, the lower grades as well Yeah, bang on Scott, good call, thanks buddy enjoy Petoni Will do, enjoy the rest of your day Cheers mate, Scott out of Wellington there um, Sam, you know how you just said before um, you'd bet your house on it being Auckland City? Yes, sir. I think you might have just lost your house. You think so? Let's have a little bit it? of intel. What did you, what's your intel saying? My intel, hot off the press, is that it's not Auckland City. That the A-League want to govern the team. They want to be the, 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 the shareholder of it. So they'll get the funds in, but they will control the club, not Auckland City. I, but that could still be Auckland City, though. You know, like they could still use a team that is well established, that has infrastructure or some somewhat some measure of infrastructure there already, but still have the controlling factor in it. Mm. You know, because it's a lot of money, so mm. you know it sort of works well for both teams. But you know, I, I just it'd be very hard to just start something from base zero, absolute scratch in Auckland. Mm. I wonder if and maybe know, that was part of the problem initially. Correct. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I shouldn't bet my house on it, but um, Beat even one of the box. Bet your letterbox. Okay, yeah, the letterbox is actually quite mm. fancy out there at Calcop, so I'm happy to put that on the line. Yeah. yeah. Um, Izzy's just ringing the show. See if you can join us after one, because we've got to get our last break away. I want to get through some text messages, and hopefully Izzy from Monaco, uh, when we answer your call, you're, you're happy to give us a yell after the news at one. Last break before the news. Uh, we'll get to Izzy straight after the news. want to give him a bit more time than... Uh, 70 seconds. Uh, some text messages, though, from Chris. Auckland City is a really well-run club. They just need a big sponsor, and they can be a good professional club. I don't think there's any arguments with that. The the sponsorship or the, the investor is the key. Staffy, I'd love to see an A-League side in Auckland. I would definitely go along, and it would work here with the population. Cheers, Ken. The only issue with that, Ken, is the number of people that go to Auckland rugby per capita I would say is the smallest crowd in New Zealand per capita of attendees. And part of that, I think, is dilution or being spoilt for choice. When we, when we talked about um, Auckland, North Harbour, Warriors, Breakers, Tuatara, Mystics, Stars, the NBL teams, 
There's so much choice. So I'm pleased you'd go, though, Ken. You're a great sports fan and you're a great Aucklander. I love the support. Uh, But we'll take new sport and weather. After that, we'll talk to Izzy, get through the rest of the texts, and then I'm going to battle with Australia about the Kings breakers. That's just a little taster of what Sammy Hewitt's doing tonight, Sammy. Yeah, buddy. Morgan Wallen, Spark Arena, absolutely cannot wait. Fizzed. Absolutely fizzed. We'll talk about that later in the show. Mm. Can't wait for the debrief as well. Now, very patiently, hang on. I really do appreciate him. Uh, out of Manuko, it is Izzy. G'day, Izzy. Hey, Steph. Hey, mate. Yeah, just wanted to chime in on the A-League team uh, that's proposed for Auckland. Um, you know, there's a lot of pros, there's a lot of cons. I think, um, I think I, you know, Auckland have have enough super teams. I mean, we've got the Auckland Blues. Uh, you already touched based on all the teams that are based here in Auckland that are in the elite competitions. Um, I was thinking, you know, um, would it benefit to, to, to have another A-League team in New Zealand, but in another province, say, say for instance, like like a team like uh, a place like Dunedin. Mm. Um, you know, that um, just to sort of take the pressure off having everyone in Auckland, because we're, we're such a big sporting city. Um, you know, we can only go to so much games, and there's there's so much venues that you can hire or or, or have you know have an A-League team at. I mean, obviously it's North Harbour Stadium, then there's Eden Park and Mount Smart Stadium, but I mean then, you know, you've got to look at the financial stuff. That's why I was sort of um, proposing maybe a team in, like, Dunedin or even Canterbury and have them maybe name them the Southern Bravehearts or something. Mm. But just, you know, lock it into that sort of market because, um, you know, they've got facilities in other cities uh, that could cater to having maybe another A-League team. Yeah, and they could split venues as well to access two different audiences. So I take you like Christchurch hasn't got a stadium at the moment, but once it does, you know, half the home games um, in Christchurch, half in Dunedin, and maybe one in Nelson or something, Trafalgar Park in Nelson where Tasman played, would be a fantastic venue for a football game and make it a true South Island team. Yeah, you know, That's got merit. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I was sort of going on um you know, because Auckland, like you said, you know, we've got so many teams here in Auckland, but yet we haven't sort of got like a specialised football arena for, for for football in general, you know, apart from, you know, obviously Albany, which most likely um, financially would probably benefit if they did have to, uh, have an Auckland uh, A-League team. But, I mean, that doesn't take away. I mean, I'd love to have an A-League team in Auckland. It just means another another elite team in the 
city of sales. <laughs> and the thing is, people can probably afford to go to one thing a weekend. So if they came into town, you're probably going to drop the Warriors, the Blues, slash Auckland Rugby, North Harbour, you're going to drop their crowds by 10% because the ch- they've chosen to go to the Auckland A-League game. Yeah, and, and like you said before, with the, the participation of people playing football now, it's skyrocketed, so, um, you know, there, there'll be a lot of, um, you know, there'll be a lot of eyes on football in general if there was to be an A-League team in Auckland. Well, not if there was, but, I mean, they're going to go for it, but, you know, you're going to have teams, uh, you're going to have um, pros like Rugby League, Rugby Union, all that, you know, they're all probably going to be sitting on the edge of their seats thinking, oh, you know, we're going to, you know, yada, 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 this is coming in, we're going to lose interest from here, this and that. Um, you know, maybe sponsors might leave the Warriors or the Blues or something and say, oh, we want to invest into the A-League or something, you know. But, I mean, it's probably good for sport in general, but um, just from my take, I think maybe if they took it to another city, or another place in New Zealand, um, it might generate some more, um, you know, maybe that city might need a bit of financial backing or something to have an A-League team, but no, that's that's pretty much what I wanted to have a yarn about. Good man, Izzy. Appreciate you calling, bud. Cheers, boys. Have a good one. Take it easy. Izzy out of Monaco there. Uh, Some more text messages. No chance in having two teams. Don't have enough strength, support to make two teams competitive. Need a serious backer with big pockets. They support, as in fans, would be... uh, The support, as in the fan support, would be sorely tested. Keep it to one team, says one texter. Um, Hey, staff, not sure if another team would work, but if there was to be one, how about North Harbour Stadium? That way you get the Aucklanders and the people travelling down from the north who really miss out on these ventures, apart from the mighty Tanifa, and good luck to the mighty Breakers. Cheers, Graham, from Albert, formerly of Northland. It's hard to know. Hamiltonians regularly come to Auckland to um, rugby league games and various things. It's only, with that new expressway, it's only our quarter, our 20, Hamilton to Auckland. It'd add on another 20 minutes if you went to North Harbour, but do take your point. Um... Blackie says, why not a South Island club? The Needham Christchurch, Nelson. So fans don't have to cross the strait. Spread the love. Blackie, I like that sentiment as well about spreading the love. Um, we're about to go live across to Australia um, to talk to Matty White and Oscar Foreman, who will be calling the game uh, Sydney Kings versus our mighty New Zealand Breakers. They requested this chat. I don't know whether it's going to be full of barbs. I don't know whether there's going to be mutual praise. I'm ready for anything. Um, but it's going to be fantastic to see the New Zealand Breakers in the make-or-break game um, over there at Sydney. They get about 16,000, 17,000 people in their stadiums. So looking forward to chatting with Maddie and Oscar, who might be there now. Staffy's just going to barrel on into this conversation. I'm in. I'm in, Matty. I'm in. I'm in. I've got my breakers singlet on. I've I've got my headband on. I've got my wristbands on. I've got the foul cards ready. Let's go. (laughs) Hey, Oscar, when I said he was going to barrel into the conversation, he took it literally because he was hearing. G'day to you both. Now, let me start with you, Oscar. I'm going to start with you. You were first on the line, so you get first um, say on this one. It's come down to this. Can you believe that after everything that the season's provided so far and the championship series has provided so far, that we come down to a deciding game? I mean, it's it's massive for the game itself. 
Deciding game in Sydney at Qdox Bank Arena. This couldn't have been written any better for the NBL owners. Like, this is exactly what they want. And to be honest, I think what the Breakers have done after having to struggle through the COVID years to then get back to here, they have got majority, if not everyone outside of Sydney, cheering for them just because of what they've been able to do and how they've kept the NBL going through those COVID years. And they absolutely deserve this. And what they would have built with their culture is invaluable right now. Yeah, and I reckon the same too, in a different manner, could be said about the Sydney Kings. I mean, the, the way that they've been performing, record crowds are turning up. Um, they've really captured the city here um, in the same way that the Breakers have captured it there. So, Staffy, talk to me, Ben, about the build-up on your side of the fence. Oh, look, it's, it's incredible. And, and I'd like to thank uh, Oscar for his kind words about what this Breakers, and we, we include the Warriors, our Super Rugby teams, all of our Trans-Tasman teams, the Phoenix, who who pretty much had to become Australian citizens for a couple of years during the COVID time. So I would challenge all the Sydney fans to put on uh, Breakers outfits and let's carry the Cinderella story on and let us let us win our golden slipper. Let us, let us win the Everest of uh, basketball over there because this is one of the most amazing fairy tales if the Breakers could do it. It's not done yet, but the, the mood over here... This will be the high. It was the highest ever attended game of basketball in New Zealand history. I think this will be the most viewed game of basketball on television in New Zealand ever. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants it. We love our imports. We love Tob Abercrombie. We love the weirdness of Modi Mayor. It's written in the stars. God, I hope it happens. <laughs> ah, the passion, the passion. So, Oscar, how much then do you tap into the fact that? Been there, done that before, had the success before. This is this is nothing new, although it's been a few years, but it's nothing new for the Breakers to be in this position. Look, I think Tom Abercrombie will be a integral part tonight. I think he's obviously he's been through a look. Tom, I played with Tom when he was you know his first year in the NBL, and he's grown so much to be able to understand how to take that big shot at the end of the game, how to captains and lead lead aside. Um, He'll be invaluable. Obviously, I expect him to make some big shots down the stretch and play some great defence. But then you've got Justin Simon on the other end. So I, he's been playing fantastically. He's a huge driver for the defensive scheme for the for the Kings. It's man, it's a tough one to pick. I've been the last few games. I just keep swaying on who I think is going to take it out, and the fact that it's now down to game five. I don't think there's anything that comes into this that pushes one over the other. It's, you know, Kings are going to have some nerves at home. Yeah, they're going to have a huge crowd, but there's a lot on their back. Breakers, it's pretty much a free swing. There's no expectations for them to win. If you look at how they're playing well at the right time, okay. 18,049 people last time, and I'm happy to try and, you know, squeeze in so I can call the game and make it 18,050, and I'm very excited <laughs> to be there. Yeah, oh, mate, it, it's going to be... It's just going to be a great night. I, I said earlier it's one of the hottest tickets in town, and it's been that way, you know, throughout the season, the last couple of years, the way that the NBL's picked itself back tickets. up. Yeah, and cheapest as well. They've gone by – some of the tickets have been dropped by 40%. Where does that – is that yep. good marketing, or they just want numbers? Give us the Kiwi take. I think the Kiwis want to be able to afford them, mate. <laughs> <laughs> But I tell you what we have done. We, we've found the formula to beat the Kings. It's taken a while, but yeah. 
Yeah. It, it, it's old-fashioned roll your sleeves up, get up them. And um, not physically intimidate, but play a hard, raw-boned style. And I don't know if Oscar remembers way back in the early 2000s when we went to the World Champs and we finished fourth. We were the most aggressive without being dirty. We didn't have tall guys. We had Piero Cameron. It's the elbows. It's the hips. It's the get-in-your-face. It's the combative type of basketball that suits us. And I think it worked last game, and I think they'll do it again. Chase Buford, he hated it. He couldn't answer questions. He walked out. Um, he might walk out again. So, Oscar, is it going to be? Will it be another physical one tonight? I mean, it, it, you get the feeling with so much on the line, it, it will be. It could be a foulathon. It, it, it has to be a physical game. Um, you know, as Daffy said, the Breakers, like in two, well, sorry, New Zealand in two thousand and four, they had you know Paul Hanari, you know Peru Cameron, those guys. They had guys that knew their roles well. They guy had guys that were willing to sacrifice for someone else. It's taken a bit, but now the Breakers have understood that blueprint. They'll come out physical because the refs are also going to expect it. So there's no point coming out with ticky-tack fouls. The refs are going to call it anyway. The Kings, on the other hand, they have to come out physical because I've complained about it. So they can't complain about it and then do what they did last game and then, you know, have the raw end of the stick. So they've got to come out of physical. Both teams are going to come out. I think the first four or five minutes, there are going to be a couple of fouls. It's just whether the players are smart enough to make sure the stars don't pick up two fouls in the first four or five minutes of a quarter and then have to sit, sit till half time. That's where I think the game's going to um, take off early. But yeah, it definitely is going to be a physical game in front of 18,000 people. Hey, Staffy, you mentioned Chase Buford, the, the Sydney Kings coach. We have him regularly on this program, and he's, he's, you know, very, he's very polite. Um, <laughs> he's very respectful, but, geez, he can pop the cork, can't he? So how do your <laughs> listeners react to the Kings coach and his antics? I was just classic Kiwi. He, he needs to harden up. Um, you know, he needs, he needs to sit there and not answer. But to get up and walk out... I tell you what, the basketball fans said that's a victory off the court for us. We beat them on the court and we beat them off the court as well. Like, if you can get someone frustrated legally, um, it's a tactic that works. And Tom Abercrombie just, I, I know he's not the offensive threat he used to be, but he he might not have the hops, he might not have the uh, offensive numbers. He got six steals, he's got the heart of a lion, and every team needs a heart and soul player. That is Tom Abercrombie. And that, they asked him for his reaction for the banter before and the banter afterwards. And he said, mate, that, that's, just, that's just basketball. Um, it's water off a duck's back to someone like Tom Abercrombie. Doesn't look like it's water off a duck's back for Chase Buford. And I would like to remind Chase, the foul count was only 2017. There, there was really nothing in it. I spoke to the boss of the Kings on Monday morning. He said, no, no, it wasn't a walkout. It, it was, you know, he didn't storm out of anything. And I think that's because he said, I'm good, thanks, as he got up and left. So <laughs> if you leave with a thanks, I don't know if that if that counts. So you focus on, on Tom, obviously, from your side. So, Oscar, let me pose this one to you. Xavier Cook's few little injury niggles around there. He's a standout player, no doubt about that. He's also heading off to the NBA. So this is the last... Hurrah for the Sydney Kings superstar. How do, how does the New Zealand Breakers put in a plan to try and control that? They need to stop him in the transition. They need to absolutely stop him from that top of the key, being able to rip through and come through with a thunderous dunk. I mean, traditionally, playing for New Zealand or Illawarra when I did, going up, the, going up to Sydney, you can silence a huge stadium 
just by getting them scoreless for a little while, and that's what they got to do. So on the flip side, as soon as Dave comes down and gets a big dunk, man, if you're on the other team, you just hear that, you know, 18,000 fold. It's just the way it's going to get started. So if they can stop Dave coming down that middle and with a big dunk, I think that'll go a long way to uh, putting him to where he's going to have to settle for some other shots. But look, Dave's a quality player. Look, the NBA's not picking anyone up for no reason. So he'll, I, I expect a big game from him. He's been a bit quiet with injuries, but I think he'll, he'll push through and come out with something big tonight. Yeah, which leads us all back to that physical factor, doesn't it? Righto, before I let you both go, your tips. Uh, who are you tipping? What's the margin tonight? Staffy, you can go first. Um, I'm going to go the breakers just. Uh, I think uh, Barry Brown's going to just go lights out again. Um, I think if there's a player of the series, you'd have to go pretty close to him. I think our import's going to have a big, big say. I think Tom Abercrombie's going to have a big, big say, but Barry Brown, player of the game, and I'd say the breakers by three. Breakers by three. Oscar? I'm going breakers by four, only because I haven't played for the Kings before. I like I like the makeup of the breakers team. Game five in Sydney. <sighs> I'm going to be there, so I may as well have people yell at me as I walk in and walk out for another reason other than being from Wollongong. So, I love you, Oscar. I love you, Oscar. <laughs> oh, look, look, man, Breakers feel a special part, and you know, part of my heart. I, I still love the Breakers. I love the franchise. I love you know what Paul and Liz Blackwell built there. I know they're you know old now, but I love what they the culture they built, and I have so much respect for for them and what they did. So, but I got to stay with the Breakers for it. All right, breakers by three for Staffy. Breakers by four for Oscar. I've got the Kings by four. I think it's going to be tight, but it's going to be a ripper. Good on you, gents. Enjoy uh, the final game of the season. It's been awesome to catch up with both of you. Cheers, fellas. Thanks, guys. There he is, Matty White and Oscar Foreman, former breaker himself and Illawarra as well. I'd have no problem, no problem, I've learned over years in partiality. I didn't no problem picking the Kings if I thought they would win. I actually don't think they will. I think we unlocked the recipe to beat the Kings. That's get up them. It's mark hard and strong. Even pick up a couple of fouls on Xavier Cooks, but make him think twice about going down the lane for one of those spectacular dunks because he will want to do that. They will want their crowd raucous like they faced in Spark. They want to start that. The breakers don't want them to allow them to do that. And I think they'll fail hard. Fairly? What if there's such a thing as a fair foul? I don't think it'll be dirty, like flagrant fouls. But the aggressive Kiwi basketball, I think, will prevail for the breakers tonight. And my God, I hope it does. And I, my God, I hope we don't have a bad third quarter. We've had too many bad third quarters. I've always said basketball, netball, any game that's four quarters... The key quarter is the third for me, every sport. You also don't want um, tonight to because what quite often what happens after a uh, coach makes a big stink about foul counts or dirty play or whatever, the refs sort of Reacts. go into their shell because they, they, they see it and they hear it. So you don't want them to come out now and, and foul the breakers way too hard because of what the, uh, the Kings coach, coach said. So see, I've got no issue if they're softer on calling fouls. Let both teams... Play hundred percent in a grand final hundred percent. Yeah, if if there's a slight tap on a finger, like I see some of these body checks, and it's like a graze of a hip on a hip, and they call it, and I'm like, can't you let those ones go? I I, I get a little bit annoyed about modern day basketball. It's like it's still a physical game. Why Mm. can't there be a little bit of 
argy bargy. Mm. Now, look, you put a you put your hand on someone's hand when they're trying to shoot, and that's clearly a foul. But mm. the other, other than driving through the lane, it's it's supposed to be physical. I mean, it's athletes. That's well, what sport is. And you is. look at them off the ball, positioning, you know, boxing out for rebounds. They are. Yeah. at it, but yeah. you lay a fingernail on a shoulder mm. uh, and it's a foul. It's, it's. Um, I, I hope and I actually think that the referees will let it go a little bit, but they may have to start blowing to get things back under control because I think it's going to be a firing up. It will be. I think it's going to be. After that conversation, I'm so fizz for tonight. I'm actually really keen to watch it. I hopefully I get home after Morgan Waller. What time is the tip-off? 9.30. Yeah, I'll get home after Morgan Waller. I should be able to. What time does it start? Uh, 6.45, I believe. Warm so up seven. Act? Uh well, the doors open at six and they say there's a warm up act and then it says show starts six forty five. So either way, even if he starts at seven thirty, he'll be done by yeah, nine thirty. I'll I'll watch the rest of the game. So mm. good stuff. King's breakers tonight. Do not miss it. We'll take a break and we'll be back. Uh clearing up some text messages. Uh just some more on the football actually. Um Brett said it's got to go to a place with a direct flight to Australia. That's probably a good point. Uh, so that's Auckland and Christchurch have direct flights to Aussie. I'm pretty sure, yeah, there's an international airport there. Um, Wellington they don't need because they've got the Phoenix. Uh, Hamilton used to have international flights. I don't think they do anymore. No, but I, I'm pretty sure it's locked and it's going to be from Auckland, right? It's just mm. whether it's just what place in Auckland or what club or whatever. But yeah, wonder if they could do a, like a new uh, a one one New Zealand Warriors model and. Um, Take it around the country, um, you know. Road trip, road trip, the A League road, road trip, the A League road trip. Hey, something that we probably should just quickly mention, Steph, um, before I forget, um, our our big bracket, um, which we took, uh, we got the seedings from yesterday. Now it's a little bit disjointed because uh, we're away, you're away on Friday, I'm away tomorrow Friday, so we're going to start it on Monday. Yeah the official sort of voting, and we'll start with obviously the round of 32, uh, which is which is going to tie nicely with Mar- the actual March Madness, yes. which is college basketball, because that's going to basically start, um, I think, over the weekend maybe. Um, it's on so now. perfect. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the play-in. So that's for the yeah. final four teams to play in, or the first four, whatever it is. Can I do a little teaser of some of the matchups we've got in the first yeah, round? Sure. Shall I do a teaser? Nah, but not not the top ones. Just give us just give us an example. Give us two examples. Random. Well, one I'm very much looking forward to. That, so we've got the top 32 as voted by you through your nominations, and we've seeded them one through 32 based on the number of votes they got. The one most interesting to me, it's the 13th seed against the 20th seed. Okay. Gordon Titchens. Hmm. Sir Gordon Titchens. Against Sir Steve Hansen. Wow, that is massive. <laughs> Sevens v fifteen. Theoretically, the closest one should be fifteen v sixteen, or or is it? Yeah, it must be fifteen v sixteen. Who's that? Fifteen versus eighteen, because it's six, oh, 16, six, 17. 16, 17. So sixteen. I'll 17. give you both of those actually because yeah, yeah. they're both interesting. Sixteen seventeen is Pat Riley hmm. versus Steve Kerr. Ah, okay, interesting. Two NBA guys, yeah. and then a very interesting one. Fifteen eighteen. Scott Robertson versus Ivan Cleary. Wow. Wow. That, oh, man, those are two great matchups, There's actually. so many good ones. And one more, I'll tell you, because it's two, two old schools going against each other. Bill Shankly, mm-hmm. Liverpool, mm. Vince Lombardi. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I mean, one's literally got a trophy named after him. Yes. Um, but, yeah, wow. Bill That's going to be a lot of fun. Bill Shankly's got a golf shot named after him. <laughs> Highly relatable to my personal game, Steph. Yes. And I, I, I gave the list to someone out in the um, – 
out in the office just to have a look at the draw, and they just said, how have Chris Waller and Bart Cummings got in there? They're not coaches. And I said, they coach horses. And that started that whole debate about jockeys in the Halbergs. And, but there we go. Uh, so the bracket will start in earnest on uh, Monday. We need a bit of time to put together our social media tiles, our voting structure, a spreadsheet to count the votes. And as Sammy said, um, he's got a country music uh, concert tonight. It'll take him two days to recover from that. So he's away Thursday, Friday. I'm away Friday. Uh, going down to Westport, actually. Very much looking forward to that. So we'll start it up again Monday next week with uh, the opening head-to-heads. Uh, let's take some new sport and weather with Johnny Mac for now. the Blue Highway, we drive down to visit Paul Mawadi from the TAB, get the TAB app, go to the website, tab.co.nz that's where all the market's for, particularly the Kings and the Breakers. Paulie Mawadi, I've just had a robust discussion with our Australian counterparts. Oscar Foreman will be calling the game. Matty White, who was the host, and our picks were as follows. I said Breakers by three. Oscar Foreman said Breakers by four. And uh, Matty White said the Kings by four. Market says what? Well, the boys say uh, the Breakers are two seventy five and the Kings are a dollar forty one to win uh, Game Five and the championship. Uh, the money says um, we've taken around fifty seven percent a turnover on that head to head market on the Breakers. At around two seventy five, so the 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 money is saying the breakers um, in a close one, um, and I'm just having a look a bit further down the page at uh, a number of the power plays that the boys have opened, and at the moment one of the most popular uh, power plays is the New Zealand breakers to win by five or more. It's paying three dollars and eighty five cents. So. Uh, that's seen a wee bit of action. And the boys have put out a couple of boosted markets as well, uh, the most popular of which is both Brantley and Brown Jr. to score 20-plus points um, each. And that's paying... Oh, it's been boosted uh, from 5.50 out to 6.50. So there's a lot of support out there for the breakers. Do you feel like... I feel like this is going to be low-scoring, physical, aggressive, a possession game rather than a shoot-at-lights-out game? You've watched a lot of basketball. Which, which, which way are you leaning that the style of game we're going to see tonight? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be very much a stop-start game after the sort of the bellyache that the Kings coach put up in the post-match press conference after game four. I think the refs are probably going to be erring on the side of conservatism and they may not uh, be letting the boys get away with, uh, with as much physicality as they uh, have done, and uh, certainly in Game 4. So, yeah, I think there could be quite a bit of early whistle. Hopefully it settles down after that, and the referees let the two teams decide who who is the best. Uh, but I do agree with you. I, I think we are going to see a low-scoring, high-intensity, certainly on defence, uh, game. And, um, well... It's it's all over after this. Holidays for the boys. <laughs> which, which I'm going to go oval ball now. Which of the codes, I'm talking NRL or Super Rugby, gets the 
gets the early activity with the investors out there? Are they, are they more inclined to have early bets on Super Rugby or more inclined to go NRL? Oh, NRL. Uh, yeah, yeah. Easy peasy, and and most of that early turnover will be on the Warriors. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, those, when they say there's the Warriors faithful, there are the Warriors faithful, and they are faithful, and they will jump on um, on a Monday morning and, and back the Warriors, regardless of whether they're playing the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So, um, yeah, NRL always, unless there's a big, big New Zealand derby going on. Um, and we've sort of got one uh, this weekend. Um, but the Warriors, regardless of their, their favourites, their outsiders, um, they're playing at home, they're playing away from home, the punters will just jump on um, unless they get on a very, very p- bad losing streak. And then you start to see the faithful start to slip away gradually. Mm. All right. Give us another lead into something big that's happening today. Uh, what we got? Well, we've got the uh, thoroughbred meeting uh, at Matamata. Hasn't quite started yet. The first uh, race due to start in just under half an hour. And I did tell the uh, boys earlier this morning uh, we had money uh, for one of the runners in race two. Uh, number one, Prince Lonro, trained by Mark Walker, uh, ridden by Chicken Palmer today. Five fifty now into four fifty. Um, so, it's not hard to say, Naran John. <laughs> no, no, it's not hard to say, Naran John. No, I, I just like the flow. But yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm being a bit cheeky. All right. Then. So, so he's four fifty anyway. in from five fifty into four fifty. Early money, early smoke early means money. later on fire, does it? Well, the way things have gone over the last couple of weekends, there have been a number of short price favourites that have got up for bunters. Um, what was it last week? Uh, Prowess. Um, the week before, what was it? Uh, Sharp and Smart. They've, they've, they've been coming in. Babylon Berlin. So um, Prince Lonro, not as short, but there was uh, there has been early money on this morning. Prince Lonro, race two, uh, 5.50 into 4.50. And that's in an hour and four minutes, which means that's at 2.45. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to keep an eye and see if the early money was wise money. I actually like the look of the four B beat. Um, that was a very, very good second last time out uh, at uh, Rotorua. Uh, and I see just drifting slightly now, 350 out to 360. But I thought the Clinton Isdale trained B beat uh, was uh, very, very good uh, last up. Um, I had a text in from Josh who's just asked me if I could please ask Paul. There's some yep. fixed odds markets out for Oaks Day at Trentham. Will yes. will all the fields be out later today? Well, the fields are there, but there's no fixed odds, but there are for some of the races. Yeah, the, I think the bookies have put out the two Group 1s uh, already, the Levin Classic and the New Zealand Oaks. Uh, and I believe the rest of the card uh, will be out uh, tomorrow. Okay. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And oh, also, uh, we've got an NRL early payout uh, mm. for Round 3. Uh, just place a pre-match head-to-head bet on any NRL match during round three. And if your team is ahead by eight or more at halftime, we'll pay you out as an early winner. On the head-to-head only? On the head-to-head, correct. Pre-match. <sighs> it's, it's like that trap you set me on the first four on Saturdays in the first four. Okay, okay. I'll try and find a team that's going to lead by eight and get turned over.
<laughs> exactly, Steph. That would be the dream result. Yeah, because you can hedge at half time. I like that. Okay, I'm in. I'm in boots and all. Very good. Cheers, buddy. Okay, mate. See you, Steph. See you, buddy. Paul Mawadi there from the TAB. TAB.co.nz. Gamble responsibly. Be 18. Go to the website. Uh, Power plays deluxe on all sports breakers, Kings particularly. I'm just going to click on that. And I'll just tell you that Breakers Kings, there are markets galore. Markets galore. I think that's a good price for the Breakers, just straight up 275. Just straight up head to head 275. Uh, total points in the game. I've set the line at 166, 167. So what's that? Uh, 82 each. I think it's going to go under that. Do I? 90, 70. Oh, I think they've got the line about right, actually. It is it is priced to be a low-scoring final. All right. Um, good stuff. I've enjoyed our chats today. I've enjoyed our interaction with you fine folk out there. One more text is here from early on, actually. Auckland are hopeless at supporting unless it's a playoff basketball team. Auckland fans are pretty hopeless at supporting their teams unless it's a playoff basketball team. It'd be great to have a team based in Auckland, though. Best of luck to whoever takes this on. Ryan. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Take it on, but the New Zealand market dictates results early. Get them on board. Get them excited. Get them associated with your team. They'll buy the merch. They'll get season tickets. I'd love it to work, actually. Why would you not want another professional team based in Auckland? The proviso is it's got to work and it's got to be, they've got to be good. So we will keep you up to date with any developments on this story as they come to hand. We'll be back in just a moment. Gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? I don't know where Mark is. Um, not in the studio. Wonder if he's going to come back into work. Might have lost him forever. He, he said he uh, hates the segment. He said it's the worst segment on air. So maybe that's why he's uh, sequandered the studio. But um, I can actually see him in there. But yeah, for some reason he's talking to somebody else. So uh, headphones on, as you do. And we're away. Have a good chat. Just finding more stuff out about the Auckland football venture. Oh, okay, yeah. The man with all the oil sitting out in the office. Potentially. Um, well, should I tell you about some news that's making... Please, do. ...making headlines around the world? Um, firstly, I didn't actually put it on here, but I was perusing my Facebook in the air break. Did you see that there's a um, nightclub in Miami that is uh, filing a lawsuit against Live Golf for trying to trademark the, the logo, the LIV logo, because the nightclub in Miami is is also called Live and has naturally the same letters in its logo. Um, interesting. Interesting to see where that goes for old Greg Norman and his cronies. Just a check. Yeah. Yeah, here's, a, here's, a, here's 50 mil. Yeah. Uh, and here's 30,000 gallons of oil. Um, <laughs> the, the WWE, uh, and I would love to get your thoughts on this, being a, a former bookie yourself, staff. The WWE wants to legalise betting on scripted wrestling matches. And we all know that that um, wrestling is scripted. Well, okay, I should have prefaced that. Apologies if you're out there, if you're a 40-year-old man who loves your wrestling and has only just realised that it's scripted. 
Apologies for ruining it for you. But uh, World Wrestling Entertainment is reportedly in talks with state gambling boards to potentially legalise betting on scripted WWE matches as sports betting continues to grow in more and more states. Uh, the wrestling organisation draws millions of viewers to its scripted uh, matches and is arguing that people in some states bet on events that have predetermined outcomes similar to the Oscars or other award shows, according to CNBC. I get that. But what are your thoughts, Steph? Look, you cannot bet on something... <clears throat> where a select few know what the outcome's going to be. Now, I'm not saying that um, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase uh, will have a bet on himself to lose in the second round because he knows that's what's going to So I'm not casting aspersions that people would do it, but the possibility that people could do it. Yeah, same, of course. same reason back in the day, everyone wanted us, and I always remember this, they wanted us to bet on who's the next all-black coach, right? So people within the New Zealand Rugby Union right now know who the next New Zealand all-black coach will be. Yeah. The TRB opened a market on that now. I'm not saying they would bet on it, but they could. Yeah. So you've got to remove nah, that possibility. They could tell a mate as well. They could tell a family member over tea. Same and then... as um, I remember in Australian bookmakers, they used to bet on Australian Idol. And um, the betting agency that did the betting on Australian Idol, 90% of their bets were coming from Tasmanian um, account holders. Right. That was where the call centre was that collated the votes for Australian Idol. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like who's next? Tazzy. Yeah. So people know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I I don't know how that would how it would work over there in the states, but I'd certainly You've want to piece the pie. Scott. You've just ruined Scott. He's just texting. Sorry, Scotty. Sorry, son. He says, what? Yeah. WTF, Sam? It's if, not real. If we get a BSA over that, I'm happy to take that on the chin because I shouldn't have revealed that without first prefacing it. So my apologies, Scott, and anyone else out there who are fans of the WWE. Um, the Oscars, uh, which happened yesterday, or two days ago, and do you know that the um, nominees all get a little goodie bag? Yes. Do you know that? Yeah. So this year's goodie bag was valued at $126,000. Oh, my God. I remember when it was 30 and I said it, that was ridiculous. $40,000 three-night stay at The Lifestyle, a remote estate outside of Ottawa, Canada. Um, they can also drive the Shelby 427 AC Cobra, a 1960s sports car. Um, other perks, a three-night stay at the Farapunta Imperatore Lighthouse in Italy, a trip valued at $9,000. They can also cash in $12,000 arm liposuction procedure, <laughs> as well as a $10,000 uh, worth of Botox, chemical peels, and other cosmetic procedures. Uh, on the lighter end, they include a shinery radiance wash, a $28 hand soap, um, a plot of land in Australia through the Pieces of Australia Conservation Project, and a $16 bag of chocolate-covered pretzels. Small catch, though, because the IRS views gift bags as taxable income, so the more goodies that they redeem from the goodie bag, <laughs> the more tax they have to pay. I tell you what, taxation in America is horrific. Oh, it really is, yeah. 126 grand, though, for a, for a gift bag is a little bit excessive. If, in my you win, mind. if you win the World Series of Poker, you give half of it as you leave the casino on tax. Referee. Half of it. Hey, I've got a couple more stories. I might have to hold this till uh, after two. Might have to do a part one, part two, uh, oh, if that's okay. Yeah, let's make it a Netflix. Come back. Can't wait. I'm just um, just going through the power plays for the breakers game. And you know how I start at the bottom? I start at the one that's paying the highest and work my way down to the one that's the cheapest. The one that's paying the most, I think, is backable. I think the power play that's paying the most is backable. New Zealand breakers to win every quarter. It's hard to do. I know it's hard to do, but it's paying $34. You just put on five. You back 170. 
it's probably five dollars wasted, but in the off chance, they just need to win every quarter by one point. They probably won't. It's getting five of mine. It's getting five of mine. We've got the second half of What's Making News. We've never split it up into a mini-series, but we've got the second half of What's Making News coming up shortly. And in the next hour, we're going to catch up with Kiwi 400-metre runner, Rosie Elliott. She's a great rooster. She's a lot of fun. She's in the next hour. Saw a bird flying on the prairie. Me and my truck and my pickup truck. Don't ruin it, man. She my lady, girl, I'm mama's best friends, and so we the whole town's rooting for us like the home team. Most likely to settle down, plant a few roots real deep and let them grow. But we can't stop this real world from spinning us. You bright lights caught. I don't blame you for picking up your big dream bags are all packed up and ready to go. But I just Tell me the name of the song, Steph. Okay. Can't love you more than my hometown. More than my hometown, yeah. More than my home. Do they sing with their mouth sideways? No. You feel like that? Just had some candy flossing on my teeth. <laughs> nah, they, like they um, I think it's. I could be wrong here, but I think it's just their accent. You know, because they're from the south, and so it's just their very southern accent put into vocal form. Could be wrong there. But remember, I asked Kaylee about it. Is it Kaylee Bell? Uh, that, yes, that played back, uh, that played support yeah. for Ed Sheeran, yeah, and yeah. I said, "You sing with a country accent." I think it's different for Kiwis, though. No, so I said to her, "Do yeah. you put that on?" She, like, do you have to consciously sing like a country singer? She goes, "No, it just happens." And I oh, said, "Interesting." Can you sing with a Kiwi accent? She said, "I can't." Well, that that's actually a, a very good point because I have long been a subscriber that I think around the world, no one. Look at it two ways. Either everyone sings in an accent or no one sings in an accent. But whether you're British, whether you're American, whether you're Kiwi, Australian, whatever, when you sing, you d- no one knows where you're from. No one actually picks up your accent when you sing. You're right. When you listen to... Um, take on... Aha. Mm. Perfect English accents. Yep. Ever. Perfect English. And then yep. they talk and they're I'm very proud yep. of the song. And even if you listen to like an Ed Sheeran... Or maybe not usually because he does that sort of talk rapping, but when he's just singing... He's not singing with a British accent. He, no. It, it's so either they all sing with the same different accent or they sing with no accent at all. But I've got that, except for the country guys. I mean, that is just, that is twang right there. Oh, yeah. Me and my big old dog. I'm looking forward to your feedback on the concert. I'm ashamed I have to wait till Monday to hear the feedback. In fact, text me during, oh. during the Breakers game. Yeah, well, looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah, can't wait. Have we got part two? We do. Do you want me to play the fanfare, do you? Yeah. Okay. Let me just get oh, you're going to go fanfare? Ladies right? and gentlemen, oh. I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Part two. Where's that text come from from Mark? Have we been talking about golf, have we? 
got such a bad rap my golf game on the station i don't know where it's come from the one the one thing i talked about where you could tee off from the tee box again which actually was right it's just you have to take a penalty shot but you can re-tee off from the tee but i said that one statement and all of a sudden everyone thinks i'm a cheat at golf when it's i'm almost the opposite i almost go too hard on the rules and people don't like playing with me because i make them take all their drops and everything as shots so here's the thing mark i reckon i'm about two weeks from my shoulder being able to play golf again mm. so i think in two weeks i'll be playing golf with sammy i will report back yeah Eagle-eyed. Oh no, you, you, yeah, you'll quickly realise why I score 123 on a golf course, not sub 100. Okay, <laughs> it's going to be quickly apparent. Apart from that one time at Raglan. Um, aside from my golf game, what else is making news? Um, and don't listen to Tony Kemp, by the way, who I don't think's ever swung a golf club in his life. He'd be one of those guys that holds it like a baseball bat, I reckon. Yes, yeah. agriculture swings yeah. it like an axe. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, oh, he's just walked in. Big-bodied individual, but uh, drives it about 10 metres. Um, he'd, need a, he'd need a tee box rule. I think I've found the hero of the day. Speak of the devil. Hey, mate. No, We're just talking on. about your golf game. Come on in, Kempe. Yeah. Come we- on and go go to the studio. We'll, we'll get you on. <laughs> Defend himself. Defend yeah. yourself, Tony Kempe. Yeah. Make sure you get the right mic on this time, Sammy. Yeah. So people have... Um, this is um, derailing my what's making news, by yes, the way. but we'll get back to that. So people are texting and accusing Sam of being a cheat in golf. And we, well, we, he is. We, so we were trying to identify where this came from, and someone suggested Some that it came on, from you. Well, no, it came from a, a very, very good source of a winner, actually, of a ZG23 pair of shoes that you can win on as you can keep it for breakfast in the mornings. <laughs> Shameless Adi- promo. Adidas shoes that Sammy would look good and he'd probably take the spikes here and wear them to a nightclub. Um, <laughs> but it actually comes from the guy that won it who's a, a member, plays with Cully down at Paraparaumu. Mm. Not Zane. Nah, it's no, Ian. I'm, not, I'm actually not going to name him. Okay. His name's Ian. I'm not going to name him. I'm not going to name him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently was spotted throwing the ball onto the green. So let me tell you exactly what happened. Uh, this guy rang up and he said, Oh, there were a couple, there was, I heard you guys talking about Parapoma and someone hitting a couple of eagles down there recently, which is literally the story you told Steph about two days before. Yeah. And then Kimmy goes, Oh, that was Sam Hewitt. That was Sam Hewitt. That was Sam Hewitt. And I heard he threw the And I heard, I heard he threw the ball. I heard he threw it. And then Kimmy comes up to me and he said, Mate, he mentioned your name. He mentioned your name. <laughs> you and mentioned I, his name, Kimmy. No, no. Well, you see, I, I got called in a school one time. We, I'll just tell a little story. But at school one time, we went around the back and we went and got some apples from the principal's house. I thought they were free. They were growing in <laughs> the back of the trees. And we had a lookout and one of the conduits looking at us, making sure that the principal was saying, yeah, it's fine, go and get the apples. And we got the apples. But the wife of the principal actually was yelling at us. To, we were jumping over the wrong fence to say jump over the other one. And we got back in the, the next morning, got called in the principal's office. And the principal office said, um, and this is this this is why Sammy shouldn't actually debunk the story was that, mate, you got a bloke trying to deny that you guys weren't getting some apples. Now, Sammy, what you're doing, you make it worse when you deny what someone else has already <laughs> said that they saw you do. It's, the thing is, it was you that said it, Kempi, and I just can't <laughs> trust anything you say. Are you the kind of guy, Kempi? Just tell us the honest truth here. I'd love to hook you up to a lie detector test because uh, you're oh, the kind I, of I, guy. I pass it every time. I reckon you're the kind of guy who goes to the self serve checkouts and puts your carrots through as you know onions or uh, something because it's a so, dollar cheaper so a kilo. Another one of those, like <laughs> Steffi, and you know this. When someone comes up with stuff like that, yeah, you know they do it. Yeah. You know, I oh. actually do. So, so, I don't even do Sammy, the shopping. Don't give your secrets away. Okay? Don't even do the shopping. Keep, keep all. The, you remind me of Donald Trump, mate, playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Jong Un. <laughs> so just to clarify, yeah, it was me. It was Steph who got the Eagles. I got three yeah. Eagles at Paraparumu one day and didn't break eighty. That was my story. 
I was six, See, so I believe you because you're honest. You're honest bloke. But look, I I can't honestly. <laughs> I can't take sue the word you for defamation. Of, actually, like, Tony, this was this this man that phoned up. He's reputable and conversation that we're having. And you know, I just I'm not going to give away my source, but you know what the eye sees and. What what the ear hears, Sammy, was your arm going over your what, head with a white ball which was what, followed behind it. Don't know what your ears are hearing, Kimpy. Maybe too many concussions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, looking forward to running it straight this afternoon, though, between three and four, myself There's and Kimpy. We're, we're, hey, we're going to just park our animosity and talk some rugby league and Mitch Barnett coming on as well. So yeah, I can't wait, mate. Yeah. Mitchy Barnett has been a standout for Isn't the Warriors he? in the last two weeks. And I asked Richie Ager this morning, boys, whether or not moving him to the left, left edge was a detriment to the team. Because of the amount of defence, I said to Sam on the weekend without even having a look at the stats, I said, Richie Barnett must be leading the tackle count because he Mitch was Barnett. in every picture. Mitch Barnett. Mitch Barnett. And um, Sammy said, mate, he is. He's like way out in front. And, and just the amount of effort. We're going to talk to him this afternoon about what's it like because he, he reminds me, he does really remind me of Campo. Same. You know? Same. And what's it, I just want to ask him, what's it like being right in the middle there? Um in the heat of the battle when you have to say something, what are you actually saying? Because mm. it would be really nice for our listeners to hear what Mitch, Mitch is going through, you know? and Because I know what Campo used to say, mate, because I used to be the runner um, at the time in the blue shirt that used to run the water out and talk to them and give them co- coaching advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I ended up looking like Elf. But, <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, it's, a, it's you don't hear it from the sideline and you don't, don't really see it. Um, when you're not watching that mm, type of stuff. Mm, so it'd be mm. really interesting to get his take on it. And the other thing too, he's an old Newcastle boy. So I know coming from that environment and all of those old stories about, you know, being the player that you want to play with and stuff like that, he actually lives and breeds the old boy way of um, doing things up in Newcastle. So I think he's a really good acquisition, Staffy, I think. He's a really good fit for our group, I reckon. He is. And we've got to, we've got to keep him on the field. Whether or not he's best on the left edge is, at the moment, if you look at the first two weeks, Sammy, um, I wouldn't have moved him. Mm. Because he is dominating the middle for us. He saved, I reckon he saved two or three full breaks uh, just by tying in, in, in and around that mark area. So we just got to make sure that he's into the blokes who are filling in for him to make sure they can do the same thing. Mm, other thing is he's playing big, big minutes, whereas now that um, Jazz, uh, sorry, Bunty Alfa is going to be starting probably, he ain't going to play 60 plus. So um, I don't want to take your material from running straight, but a good question. <laughs> yeah. Debut fullback this week. Are you excited? Tane, yeah, man. I, look, I think I think there's a couple of really good fullbacks running around in the, at the moment uh, in the background that are like Reese Walsh mm-hmm. that have that sort of speed off the mark and can create something from nothing. Tane's one of them. Toapiki from the Warriors and the other one, Farlogo from Melbourne, who will get a chance. He's he's really exciting, um, young kid. Oh, look, I think I think he'll go all right. I think he'll go all right. I just it's a really tough debut, Staffy. Like if you wanted, if you wanted to play your first game. And you wanted to say, well, where would I want to play that? You wouldn't say North Queensland. <laughs> like, you know, it's Canterbury playing the Dua last week. It's going to be 30 degrees. It's so hot up there. It's a really hard place to travel to because you've got two flights. And Richie Agar touched on that this morning. Um, and hopefully the excitement gets him through it. I just want to see the kid have a really good game. Me too. You know, yeah. it'd be great if he can go out there and just have a solid game and not be... Make you your know, tackles, take the high ball. not balls. be relied on to win not, not a, a bit of question mark over his under the high ball, though, Staff, that's probably his one weakness. So, yeah, be interested to see his time in uh, first grade camp this week, whether or not they've been able to 
fix up a few of those deficiencies. But There's a little tester for what you got running it straight from 3 o'clock, Kempi. I told you he'd derail my what's making news. Yeah, he's got the, the muscle only... shirt on, he's got the hair all green, got a brand new fade, he's looking magnificent. Always, just for Sammy. Yeah, just for Sammy. All right, lock horns with the boys running it straight 3 to 4. We'll take a break when we come back. We're catching up with Rosie Elliott for... As we build up to the Sir Graham Douglas International, we're catching up with a few athletes this week and we've cherry-picked Rosie Elliott in the form of her life since we spoke to her last. She broke the New Zealand record at the Cooks Classic over 400 metres. She joins us now. G'day, Rosie. Hi there. How are you doing? Very, very well. Um, can we reflect on that Cooks performance? It was pretty damn good. Yes, it was a fantastic performance. Actually, it wasn't actually a national record. It was a PB, um, which I think you might have said before that it was a national record. <laughs> Unfortunately, it wasn't. But, um, yeah, it was a great run and another good step to learning towards learning how to run a good race and what feels good for me. Um, we've talked to you before, and, and I've always marvelled at how you chuck yourself into a whole lot of different uh, events over the years. Um, and my research says you've run the 100, 200, 400, the high jump, the long jump, the shot put, and the hip tathalot. You love athletics. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's, I think there's a lot, uh, you know, there's quite an advantage to keeping yourself in as many events, events as you can, you know, from a younger age and choosing not to specialise until later, which is certainly what I did. I want to go back to, it might test your memory a little bit, but 2018-19, mm-hmm. those two seasons, you improved your 100 metre time by a second, you improved your mm-hmm. 200 metre time by two and a half seconds. What mm-hmm. was, was that a growth spurt? Was that a training change or was it a, a dedication to the sport? What happened in that space of 12 months? Um, well, it was it was probably a bit of all of those things. Um, I had actually taken some time away from the sport. Um, I stopped training in about 2014 and then came back shortly after my 21st birthday, which would have been around about a year before I ran all of those times. And so that was about a year's worth of consistent training, you know, showing up and doing the work however many days a week, six days a week, and really loving it and, yeah, finding a new a newfound passion for the sport. sport. And, and the other improvement is even more alarming, really. Over four, over the last four years, your 400-metre time's improved by five seconds, which is, mm. what would that be, 40 metres? Um, y- yeah, actually, I'd never thought about it that way, but, yeah, probably about that, yeah. So what, what's... What sport that about? Is is it just miles in the legs? Is it dedication to your craft? Um, because the rate of improvement's pretty damn good. Yes, um, that'll be that'll be again. That'll be a couple of things. That'll be you know choosing to focus on the four hundred as my primary event. Um, and the other major factor, of course, is gaining the speed that is necessary to be running those times. And as you say, I improved my times in my other sprints massively over that over that period of time and having a fast flat speed is going to contribute massively to being able to run a fast 400 and then once I built my fitness on top of that well there, there you go you've got those sorts of improvements. 
Yeah, because at the Nationals, you did compete in the 100 as well, finished a very meritorious second, picking up a silver medal mm-hmm. there, and you won the 400. So do you see yourself, obviously you're going to focus on the 400. I think you've found your sweet spot and where you're probably the strongest. But do you, do you see yourself continuing to compete in the 100 to, to keep that high-end speed up? Yes, absolutely. The 100 and the 200 is also an incredibly important event for me as well. Um You've just got that sort of a little bit, a little bit more distance than the 100. You're having to hold your speed over a much greater period of time, um, and yeah, I could. I, both of those events are incredibly important for me to be, you know, continuing to build on my speed and therefore running fast 400. So I'd imagine, having never been a sprinter myself, 100 is flat out the whole way. Is 200 mm-hmm. is 200 flat out, or is there a little bit of? Uh, management of speed early on or later on? How, how do you attack a um, 200? The 200 is supposed to be flat out the entire way, although it's pretty easy to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, yeah, you, you're aiming to maintain your maximal speed for as long as you possibly can, but it is inevitable that you're not going to be able to hold it the entire way, and depending on your fitness, um, you may or may not slow down in a big way so so when you're getting to maybe the 40 meter mark of the 200 i guess that's when concentration and your form and you're trying to stay stay um technically sound is is it a mental battle that 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 last part of a 200 it's it definitely is yeah particularly if you are someone who you know struggles to hold good form under fatigue which i certainly am it's a big thing that I have to focus on and something that we've worked on a lot in training is to hold that good shape over those longer distances, which applies in the 200 and the 400. Yeah, because the 400, it's definitely not flat out all the way. Do you, do you target, do, how do you break down a 400 metre race? Do you do even blocks of hundreds, blocks of fifties? How do you how do you strategically approach a 400? Um, I personally break it down into blocks of 100 metres. Um there might be a couple of, uh, you know, we sort of, you get to the 200 and I, I start to focus on a new thing and then I get to the 250 and I then start to focus on a new thing again. So there are a couple of blocks of 50s in there as well, but it is primarily 100. And it is, I think it is actually meant to be a sprint the entire way. Certainly the people at the top look like they're sprinting the entire way. Um, I personally haven't quite found it within myself to be able to manage that, but hopefully that's something that I can do in the future. Because <laughs> I've watched a few of your 400 races and you can't hide the pain on your face over those last few no. metres. <laughs> and you are absolutely broken at the end. You, there's nothing left in your tanks at the end of a 400, is there? No, absolutely nothing. And I like to think that the, um, you know, it's a bit of a waste of energy to try and hide the amount of pain that I'm in. So I might as well just use that energy on, use, use it for running and uh, not try and look good while I do it. <laughs> where, where does the Sir Graham Douglas International sit with you um, from, I guess, importance, prestige, uh, j- just an event on the New Zealand athletics calendar? Um, well, Sir Graham Douglas meet holds a bit of a special place in my heart actually because it was at this meet a year ago that I ran my first competitive 400 and so it kind of I'm actually really excited to come back and race I ran a really really strong time there um and yeah I'm excited to sort of I guess come full circle and 
race there again, but now as an established 400 metre runner. Yeah, so mentally, where are you at um, mentally with uh, your comfort as a competitor at the top of the game in New Zealand now, and how's that going to help for international meets in the future? Um, At the moment, I'm very much just, you know, still feeling about with the event, still trying to figure out what works best for me, you know, whether I start strong or whether I you know, start a little bit more conservatively and finish strong. You know, there are there are so many different ways to be running it. Um, and I think just as I become more confident in my ability to do that, I will, and I suppose as I do travel outside of New Zealand and start to get that international competition, I'll definitely start to feel more established as a 400-metre runner and more comfortable you know, competing against those women who are going to be running times faster than I currently run. So, you know, 51s, 50s, even 49s. Um, yeah. 52.16 you ran at the Cooks. What's, mm-hmm. Do you set um, benchmarks that you'd like to achieve through different training periods of, of, of your year? Because it's, it's sort of the unknown, isn't it? What's the ceiling? What, what's, what's your pinnacle that you, Rosie Elliott, can get to? How do, how do you approach um, milestones? Um, I think the key is just to believe that, that I can do it. Um, I think I don't want the thing to be limiting me to be my brain, my mind, I would much rather, you know, believe that I can do it and be limited by, uh, it feels much more reasonable to me to be limited by what my body is capable rather than limiting my body with what my mind is able to cope with, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your mind's strong and it'll go as hard as as your body will allow. Mm, Exactly, well, I will encourage people, as I have all week, to get out to the Sir Graham Douglas uh, International. It's wonderful viewing all of our top uh, domestic athletes, and we've got international athletes from New Zealand competing there as well. How how much do you get out of the out of the drive from having people out there watching and cheering? Um, well, the last couple of years we haven't been able to have people there, um, you know, because of because of COVID and. Yes, Sarah, we haven't been able to have audiences there. And I think that's been quite sad, actually, not being able to... Obviously, you have the value of having a um, an audience there, but on top of that, you know, if you can't have people watching, your, your family can't be there, your friends can't be there, you know, you're travelling to these places, you've always got people in these places who would love to come and watch you, and they're not able to. So I'm incredibly excited to have a meet in Auckland where people are able to come down and watch. My friends can be there, and they can just come and enjoy watching in person rather than on a live stream. Well, of course, you'll be chasing a title at Sir Graham Douglas International, but your other prize, yes. which you may not be aware of, is I'm going to interview after you've won. So you have to win to get an interview with me after the race, and I promise to give you like three or four minutes to get your breath back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to work even harder for that now. <laughs> hey, brilliant, Rosie. Um, enjoy the next couple of days, and all the very best Thursday night. Thank you very much. I'll see you there. Give us a little dog. It's the Baileys. It's the Baileys property of the week. You know what I like doing this every week, Sam? 
quality of photos of property. Mm. Um, for people that aren't geographically strong, you might think that this property is in Thames. Ah, oh, Thames. Yeah, but it's Thames. Thames. It's nestled in the Koiranga Valley. Beautiful spot. Rural living, all the benefits there. Bought to market by Carl Davis of Bailey's Hamilton and Glen Tanner of Bailey's Thames. Wow, GT. Two hectares, near enough. It's at 44 Pack Track Road. Three bedroom family home. A very practical floor plan, dual living spaces, and the aerial photo this drone, this helicopter, whatever they take. I tell you what, Sam, put this into, put this into your, your browser. Your browser, baileys.co.nz. Tell me when you've done that bit. Yes, sir. And then into the property ID 218-0583. Photo one. That, to me, is comfy living. It's rural. It's rural. And it's not ostentatious. It's it's a big batch. It's got a batch feel, relaxing feel. It's got a driveway up to the house. Anyway, I digress. Three-bedroom family home, uh, dual living spaces, as I mentioned, two bedrooms and a bathroom extend from one end of the home, off the separate family room, while the master bedroom and ensuite are at the other end. So there you go, you split it up. Great kitchen. Kitchens are important to me, which, of course, is always the hub of the home, uh, with the living area leading out to an extensive decking area, and I'm saying extensive, and I'd even capitalise the E for extensive unobstructed views of the hillside it also boasts a large glass house and storage area uh, this valley this area is fast becoming the place to be with access to swimming holes there's bush walks and it's only 10 minutes to Thames for your what would you say your urban requirements so just 10 minutes away buyers downsizing from a large farm or those wanting to get away from the hustle and bustle my hands in the air the hustle and bustle of city living, seeking an idyllic, I love that word idyllic, country setting, will want to see this property. I'm going to scroll through these photos and give you my immediate reaction. I love the area one. Now, the land size, not too big. There's a little pond slash lake slash water area. Good, good trees, but not too many. I love me a tree. Sam, there's room for a pitch and putt. Just one hole. Sold. Sold. Um... Would you call that, uh, what do you call that style of house, half wood exterior, half thingy board? Colour style? Colour steel or weatherboard? Something like that. I'm not 100% sure. Is it iron or? Yeah, look, it's beautifully um, coloured to fit into the background. It's got the gates at the front to a drive, fully wooded drive section, which makes you feel like you're driving into South Fork. Play the Dallas music on your Bluetooth as you drive up. You'll feel like a, a magnate. Kitchen. Fantastic. Bananas in a bowl there, like that. Fresh daffodils on the dining table. It's got a, just a nice, relaxed, easy feeling. It's like going on holiday every time you go home. So there it is, baileys.co.nz. 218-0583 is the property number to get yourself involved. So get in touch with Carl Davis, he's Baileys Hamilton, or Glen Tanner, Baileys Thames. They'd probably go together with you. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, oh, geez, it's being auctioned on the 23rd of March. So that's in eight days' time at 11 o'clock in Hamilton. So you've got eight days to sort your life out and go and have a little bow, people. I think if, I think if you're in the range, if you're in the market for this and you went and had a look, 
I'm loving it. It's it's. Oh, they said, they said. I've just clicked onto another a glass house and storage area. It's substantial. You can do some serious growing. Tomatoes, problem for you? No more. Strawberries, no more. Flowers, no more. The whole shebang there. It's got a bit of a rustic feel to it as well. So there you go. Go to baileys.co.nz. Have a look for that one. 218-0583 is the property number. And this has been brought to you by Baileys Farming Communities. There we go. Sam, is, I can't get his eyes off the screen. I cannot get his eyes off the screen. So that's the Baileys property of the week. Beautiful, beautiful setting. Fantastic, serviceable house. Big driveway with trees all up the way. Love it. Absolutely love it. And room for a pitch and putt if you so desire. Thank you, Baileys, for making me look forward to this every Wednesday. <laughs> Next is, is it? The Chase? The Chase is on. We should get Kempi again. 0800 150 oh, And don't forget 100,000 e cash. Yes. Wasn't claimed Up last week, was it? Yep. If you can beat the Staffinator. It's me. Well, yeah, because we're offering up the 100,000 e cash. Cash. Yeah. 0800 150 Part of me wants uh, 100,000 e cash to go. It's going to be some admin for Sam, but hey, give it a go. 0800 150 Bradley Walsh and The Beast are ready to take you on in the SENZ Afternoons Chase. Give us a yell. That music always gives me a little bit of adrenaline. As it should, Mark. Because we have 100,000 e-cash on the line <laughs> for our chaser today. If they it? can If they can chase Who you down it? the stairs, Nader. Uh, well, spinning the wheel, and we've ended up on line three, I think. It's Gareth from Taranaki. G'day, Gareth. Staffy, how's things, mate? Well, that's Sammy, but I'm Staffy, but we are good, Gareth. Um, Stratford, Harwater, Inglewood, Midhurst, whereabouts in Taranaki? little place called Awakura. Oh, Awakura. I like that. Brilliant. Hey, how's your sporting knowledge, Gareth? Well, you see, um, long time listener, first time caller, actually. I'm, I'm not too confident, but that e-cash does sound very good. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It was uh, e-cash, so e-cash. just make sure you get e-cash. that right. E-cash. So uh, the way it works, uh, Gareth, is uh, 60 seconds. You get 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can correctly. At the end of that, staff will get a chance to chase you down. Um if you get one wrong, uh, I'll give you the correct answer. If you pass, I'll move on straight away. Steffi cannot pass. If he gets one wrong, uh, we will stop the clock. You will get a chance to push him back. So to get us underway, Gareth, I just need you to pick between set A or set B on our questions. Uh, set B, please. Set B, okay. Everyone does go set B, and it doesn't prove fruitful. So let's hope it's different <laughs> with Gareth. Okay, Gareth, uh, we are going to put uh, 60 seconds on the timer. Your time will start in three, two. One. Only one team in Super Rugby has zero competition points. Which team is it? Moana Pacifica. Highlanders. Who is the current Warriors hooker? Pass. N'Gole Kante currently plays for which Premier League team? Chelsea. Correct. Gary is a nickname. Gary is a nickname for which Australian cricketer? Nathan Lyon. Correct. Carl Malone spent most of his NBA career with which team? Jets. Jets, that's correct. Who is currently number one on the women's golf rankings? Lydia Co. Correct. Who is the most caps for the Blues? Ooh. 
Cody Barrett. Kevin Mialamu. Who is the current Kangaroos head coach? Um, Eddie Jones. No. Mal, Mal, Mal Meninga. <laughs> that is the time, I tell you what. I loved Eddie Jones. Gareth, Gareth took his time there, Steph. You said he said jazz. I, I think he said calves. Did you say calves or jazz for Carl Malone? I said the jazz. I said the jazz. I think oh, you okay. did say jazz, yeah. Well, so you ended up getting uh, one, two, three, four. Which may not be enough, Gareth. You're going to have to get some pushbacks. Um, you passed on the Warriors hooker, which is Wade Egan. Should have got that one. Um, and yeah. Kevin Mialamu was the most caps for the Blues. Mal Meninga for the yeah. Kangaroos. So there you go. I tell you what, Gareth, I'm not feeling it today. So get oh, ready he for always some pushbacks. It. He always get says that. Some pushbacks. He's just getting in your head. He's getting in your head. Okay, so uh, we're going to put 60 seconds on the timer for Steph. If he gets one wrong or passes, we stop the clock. You get a chance to put him, push him back, Gareth. 100,000 e cash up four grabs. Your time will start in three, two, one. The Chiefs sit atop Super Rugby at the moment. Which Kiwi, uh, which Kiwi team is next highest? Hurricanes. Stop the clock. <laughs> Who is, uh, which Kiwi team is Genali, next highest after the Chiefs, uh, Gareth? Crusaders? No, oh, they had a lot. Nah, it's the Blues. It's the Blues. It's I was tossing up for Okay, two. you had a chance there, Gareth. You had a chance. Okay, your time will start again in three, two, one. Who are currently top of the NRL after two rounds? Oh, jeez, I don't know. Uh, Souths. Stop the clock. Oh, that's the wrong buzzer. That <laughs> is the incorrect answer. Uh, Gareth, what do you reckon? Top of the NRL after two rounds. Oh, I don't know this one. Um, let's go with... Cowboys? No, it's the Manly Sea Eagles. Oh, uh, they, got the bi- they, got, dolphins. they got the bye, so they got the free two points oh, in round two. Uh, your time, me. Steph, um, it's not looking good for you, man. The time will start again in three, two, one. Was Matthew Hayden a right or left-handed batsman? Left. Correct. The Kings are an NBA team from which city? Sacramento. Correct. Where were the 1964 Olympic Games? Tokyo. Correct. Who is the current manager of Arsenal? Michael... Oh, he's done it. He has done it. How did you get that one? I watched a story on him as recently as yesterday or something oh, like you, that. You fluked that one. Yeah. I, was, I was looking forward to tripping you up on but that one. it was one. like Mikel. He's got a, he's got a funny... Yeah, Mikhail. Mikhail. I, would, I accepted your pronunciation, Steph. And unlucky for you, Gareth, mate, you're probably a couple away, as I end up always saying. So unfortunately, the 100000 e cash will carry over. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks, thanks, mate. Appreciate thanks, Gareth. Oh, one of my highlights is the way you say care, cash. <laughs> oh, it's, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to get stunned for false advertising. There, and then it just got. I went into my zone. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I was looking at the questions here on your set, and there were a couple there in a row, which I was like, "You're easily going to get those." And I thought, "Our Ted is going to get you." And then the next couple, you definitely would have struggled with. So, do you think? Do you think I would have struggled? Yeah. Yeah, the next couple. Give me one sure. of them. Um, who are the reigning NRLW champions? Knights. Oh, look at you. Uh, when was the last time the Breakers appeared in the grand final? 20. Well, they straddle, don't they? Oh, do you get the answer somehow? How? What, 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 what then? What is the, when was the last time they appeared in the final? They won. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have, straight away, I wouldn't have thought that was a straddle. I just would have said the year that they were in the grand final. Well, that, I thought there was going but to be But it's a written tr- down here as a straddle, which makes me think you've seen these no, answers. No, because they play across January. 
They start before January and finish after but January. But when was the last time they were in a grand final? I just want the year. Well, they won 11, 12, 13, missed... Oh, 12, 13. I'm going to say it's around 17, 16, 17? Yeah, 16. Um, so I would have been wrong because the final would have been the 17. No, nah, it was 15, 16. Yeah, I said 16, 17. Yeah. Um, I'll just leave it there because I want to hold the other ones for next Wednesday. I don't want to burn all my, <laughs> burn all my information. Um, I think... Bare minimum, I reckon you've got to get at least seven, eight. I think you've got to get eight, and you've got to get pushbacks. You have to answer correctly ten, double digits if you want to win the chase and the cash. Mm. Oh, you should give pushback chances, though. You did what you did today. Yeah. Gave two of them. And the Manly one was actually hard. I probably wouldn't have got that, to be honest. It wasn't until I looked at the NRT. I thought, Manly. Are Souths unbeaten? No, they lost to they lost to Penrith uh, on the weekend, or well, on Thursday last week. Yeah, no, it's, I didn't it's, watch it's, much it's, over it's the a weekend. bizarre top four. It's Manly. I think the Dragons are there because they had the bye. It's Manly, uh, the Dragons, Dolphins, uh, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. <laughs> Who would have predicted that after two rounds? I nearly said Dolphins because I knew they hadn't lost, and I'd forgotten about the bye situation as well. Um, I haven't got the script for um, what's happened on this day in history, but you'll get it to me. So let's find out what that is before we hand over. To a very up and about Sammy Hewitt and Tony Kemp. Remember running it straight uh, three to four, but we'll have a look back in the day after the break. It's what happened back in the day. March 15, back in the year 2000, Shane Warne became Australia's greatest test wicket taker when he passed DK Lilly's record of 355 dismissals. And it came off the last ball of the test when Shane Warne got Paul Wiseman caught behind by Adam Gilchrist and Aussie went on to win the match. By 62 runs. In 2001, Test Cricket's longest winning streak of 16 matches came to an end when Australia was beaten by India by 171 runs. He's batted the, oh, he's given him! He's given him! Umpire Bunsell's given him! That's the end of the Test match. India have won. India have won in dramatic style. The whole of Bengal are on their feet. The series has been levelled. That is, well, what a victory. The third team in 1,535 test matches to win a test after following on. And to, to thank from the Indian side, uh, Indian spinner Habajan Singh got uh, seven wickets in their first effort in the field and six in the second innings. And Vivius Lakshman, uh, second innings knocks of 281, helped them. With that victory, birthdays today, Pod Turner. Happy birthday, Richard Pod Turner, former All Black. First Chiefs captain too, I think, Pod. Uh, Kyle Mills, former Black Caps bowler. Happy birthday. Down the long arm, out. Boucher still on strike, which is the important thing. Well, it's gone silent again. Straight to the man at long on. Mills gets another big wicket. Good stuff, Millsy. Often hear him on the station here. Stuart Farquhar, former Olympic javelin thrower. He's 41 today. And Paul Pogba is 29 today, of course, of Frank, uh, French and Manchester United fame. On this day in 1975, the number one movie was Shampoo and the number one song by one of my favourite bands. The Doobie Brothers. Is there any other band you'd rather listen to tonight than the Doobies? Possibly country. 
Had fun today, team. Had fun. Thanks to Gareth for playing in the um, in the chase. Thanks to Finn Basimi, Basimo, Bellissimo, LeBron James, and Sammy Hewitt in the hot box today. Uh, Kempi and Sammy, they are frothing at the bit to bring you the Rugby League show. Running it straight. That is from now till three. Enjoy. Uh, four. 14.